I want to know how a warehouse filled with such creative talent see that craft. You don't really get to understand a piece of work until you're physically in front of it. Do you think there is a difference in the, in the, in the creation process and the feeling of the artist in the two meetings? Think of the Rothkos in the Rothko room. If you saw them on your iPhone, you would swipe, 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 swipe. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to this first episode in a new audio project called The Wimbledon Warehouse of Art. The goal of the podcasts is to create a unique interview series by looking into the minds of a range of artists. Uh, who are all resident in a warehouse here in beautiful old South London. And uh, I want to know how a warehouse filled with such creative talent see their craft, how they go about it. Is it a profession? Is it a hobby? Somewhere in between? And how it all comes together in a biannual art fair that is hosted during springtime and autumn here in Wimbledon. I want to know what drives these people to pursue their arts. I want to know what brought them here and how they see the world around them. And finally, I also want to understand how they see art moving ahead. As we're moving into a world of more digital orientated content and ways of looking at things in the next 5, 10, 20 years, I'm keen to get different perspectives on how that might impact the world of art. So let's start. With me today, I have Henrietta Stewart. So Henrietta, why don't you tell me about yourself? What brought you here and uh, what do you do here? in the Wimbledon Art Studios. Hi. Um, okay, I'm a painter. Uh, primarily I paint in oils, although I do use acrylic sometimes. Uh, I also collage, I draw, I'll print if uh, printing is available. Mm -hmm. um, I have been at Wimbledon Art Studios since 2011. I came here when we returned from living in France and I was looking for a studio. Uh, we came back, we bought some property in West London. So yeah. I looked around West London and I came across Wimbledon Art Studios. And I liked their ethos and the fact that they didn't, they didn't vet anybody. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good place to be. It was just a question of you could come in, get a space, mm -hmm. do what you wanted, uh, give a month's notice and leave if you didn't like it. Nice. Um, you didn't have to pass any criteria or I don't know. You know it was it was good in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I was just curious how uh, how what brought you from France to the UK? Was it just a practical move or was there something else? Uh, no, uh, we left the UK in two thousand and three uh, simply because we'd made ourselves homeless and uh, my godmother had a house, so we went over for a year and stayed for eight. Um, <laughs> bought two houses over there, did them up, and then finally, I, I suddenly realized that my husband was in England working, and yeah. I was living in France on my own. <laughs> so I thought, hmm, hmm, I think maybe we'll come home. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we we sold up and came back. Um, and I have to say, 
living in France was wonderful and great, but it was quite a lonely place for an artist. Okay. I didn't, although my French is very good, yeah. I didn't really find any like-minded souls over there Interesting. in the same way that I found them here. And just one last question on France. Where in France were you based? Was it like in a capital area or was it out in the... No, we were out We were out in the country. We were down in the Languedoc, down, uh, right down south in between Béziers and Montpellier. Very, very cool. Let's look at how you actually got started. So how did you uh, end up in this business and how did you get working in this field? Well, I suppose I started at school um, and I did A-level art. And from there, I decided I wanted to go on to university and study fine art. So I went to Newcastle and did four years in fine art there. Okay. And that really sort of cemented me in the fact that all I really wanted to do was to be a painter. Right. Um, I was pretty sure from the age of 16, 17, that painting was what I wanted to do. And at university, they, they, they try to broaden your mind a bit by making you do sculpture and yeah. printmaking and other mediums. Yeah. But I pr pretty much always forced my way back to painting. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm a very much a two-dimensional artist, right. I think, in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and from then onwards, um, I've always painted. Although, I mean, I had to have other jobs at the same time because you have to pay the bills and you have to eat and yeah, yeah, of course. rent and etc. But I, I suppose I, I ran other jobs alongside until going full time in 2000. Right. Okay. So 18, 19 years ago, you yeah. became a full time, full, full -time artist. artist. Okay. Interesting. So I'll just do maybe a little bit of a side comment as well because I am quite interested in understanding. What do you think education's role, university's role is in art? In theory, <clears throat> I guess you're learning some of the, the history, the basics of how you do things and techniques and stuff. But how do you see the university and how it contributed to your own direction? Uh, I think it was fascinating in the fact that we learned more from our peers and I would say the MA students and the fellows mm. than we really did in a lot of ways, from the tutors. The oh. tutors, although, um, I suppose in those days, they guided, but they guided in such a way that they weren't really giving you a lot of input. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of, you know, there are a lot of very good books for that. Go and look it up. Find out for yourself. I think what they instilled in us was you can find it out on your own. You don't need to be spoon-fed. Um, so for that I have to say I'm grateful because I'm very good at, I suppose, forging my own way and finding my own, finding out my own research. Um, I, I do feel that it, it is very useful to people to get technical support. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of technical things that can be taught to people. And mm -hmm. I think that if, if one could teach those early on, mm -hmm. then you could give, um, you could give students or artists, you, you sort of give them the rules for them in order for them to be able to break them. Ah, so yes. give them the tools for them to be able to discard them almost. Isn't that an old Picasso quote as well? Pretty much. You're spot on with that. It's, it's, a, it's an excellent one. And I, I do think that makes sense. Like you need to learn what the craft before you can go beyond or use yeah. the, the tools that I have. That makes sense. So now let's look a little bit about your, your actual work itself. So understand now where you come from, your background. So when you think about your, your work, we're sitting in your, your studio today looking at your, your paintings all around us. Um, 
what what is it that you you want the viewer to experience when they 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 see your your art? I suppose I want them to experience almost what I experienced. So I want them to recognize the wind, the rain, the light, the sky, the color. It's the feeling of the landscape as you're in the landscape. It's not just the contours of the the land as you look at it or the particular green or the particular blue of the sea, but it's it's the, the entirety of it. I want them to feel the stillness of the water and I want them to feel the, the relationships that we have with the land. Mm. I want them to almost have the same sort of memory of it so that when you're looking at one of my landscapes, you feel that maybe you, you know that place. Mm. You, you, you have an affinity with it in the same way that I have that affinity. I, want, I suppose I want that to come over. Right. What brought you to this subject matter? Uh, interesting enough, when, when I started, I was more abstract than I am now. Right. I've come from the, I've come the opposite way. I came from very abstract, and I feel that my work is much more structured and fig figurative in a way, mm -hmm. that there is more that links you now to the land that you, you see, but obviously not that much <laughs> <laughs> no I, I get that and do you think do you think that this level of sort of it, it has abstract moves in it but it's not maybe as it was early on do you think that has sort of now caught it do you think you've mastered the 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 subject matter mm. or are you still working each no, iteration no, no. still working I, I don't i don't think i don't think you can ever master it i think i think you could possibly say that you'd become very good at a certain technique. But if you've become good at, at a technique, you, you almost need to give it up. Yeah. Because that's when art becomes, it becomes less soulful. It becomes more done by rote. Gotcha. It becomes more technique mm. and less about what you really should be talking about which is something, I don't know, deeper and more important. The technique, I think, can, can mask, I don't know, learning almost. It yeah. can mask whatever it is that, that, that drives us to keep on reproducing the same view time and time and time and time again yeah. to get closer to, to where we think the essence of that particular view or that particular moment is. Would you say this, the, the essence you're talking about, the essence of, of well, your, your paintings in particular, but essence of art, what, where does that come from, do you think? Where does that stem from, if you were to give me a guess? Um, I think it's, a, 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 it's almost a, a philosophical point where you need to explain the world that you're in. You need to explain yourself in that particular world. Mm. So it's your way of communicating what you think about well, everything about life about people about yeah i suppose yeah everything it's the core it's the core the one yes. truth whatever that it is it is whatever that is okay but it's our way of communicating it i suppose no and i i, I do think you see this as, as being the goal for many artists out there uh, trying to get close to that in one way or the other in their own way 
I think they are. Moving a little bit into uh, another perspective on your, your work, I'm interested in understanding because some, some artists, they, they see their art in maybe studios and galleries as the best way of, of, of seeing their artwork. And I just wanted to see if you have a, an idea of like, who would your ideal client be? What would be the ideal home for your artwork if someone were to, if you could pick the person who buy your art, where would you like your art to be presented? Wow. Um, I, d I don't think there's an I ideal. Mm. I, I think you, the, the best you can want for is that the person that, that is interested in your, in your work mm -hmm. has a connection to it in the same way that you have a connection to it. Yeah. And I think that that's what you hope for most. I mean, on another level, we all need to eat. Yeah, of course. Um, we all need to pay the bills. Mm. But I think specifically, if you're, you're thinking of somebody buying a piece, you'd want them to, to buy it because they had fallen as much in love with it as, as you had when you were doing it. Yes. So, so, so the, at the end of the day, you want the art to go to a, a home where that art is ideally seen the same way as you see, like the feeling has been. Absolutely. You, you, you don't want it really to be bought just as wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah. That that is not your your game. You're 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 you are not painting it so that it will match the sofa. You know what? And this this I think leads me. It goes to the next question I have, which which is about you know what it takes to be an artist. You know what is the type of person you need to be to be an artist? Is it human nature? Does it you know require a certain way that your your brain is wired, or, or what is it that made you go to become an artist at the age of sixteen? Uh, I don't think I was very good at anything else, <laughs> but apart from that, I think it's uh, it that there is a there is a there's a part of you that likes the the solitary lifestyle. I mean, it, it it's it's a solitary place where you go on a journey which has no boundaries. You can do exactly as you like you know, for as long as you like. And it's, it's endless. There, there is no, there is no, there's, there is no stopping. You're never going to run out of things to learn. You're never going to run out of, people say, well, you're never going to run out of inspiration. You're never going to run out of, there is, there is so much that you can do that you are never going to have enough time to do it. Yeah. <coughs> so it, it takes a certain type of person I think everybody would could do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think it's an exclusive club. I think the only bit that is that that in a way you have to have to continue to do it is that amazing passion to go on and on and on and on regardless. Yeah. Because it is not a money spinner. You're not going to make a million you're not going to probably become rich or famous or, yeah. or whatever but you are going to be rewarded time and time and time again by what you learn i think that's uh, I, I think one of the things which has led me to do this project is actually linked with that a bit because i think my background from a more of a if you want to call it a non-artistic or whatever i come from a corporate technology background 
I think every human being that I have come across have this urge of creativeness. And yes. you kind of need to have an outlet. And I think many people have challenges understanding what that outlet would be for them. And, and, and I think one question for you is maybe, so you started early on, but also you were juggling both a, a profession at some point in time before you went full-time in 2000. Yep. How did you manage the creative outlet, spending the time on that and, and doing the, the, the work that maybe your, your day-to-day uh, just for any advice for people who want to try well, and balance think, the two. I think when you're younger, you have a lot. You have a lot of energy, mm. so it, it is much easier. Um, I managed to, you know, to to, to get into a, a a job which I could run part time, so I could be at that job from <clears throat> eight in the morning until six, and mm. then I could work. But I could do that four days a week, so that left me three days in the week when I could be painting full time. So you do manage to juggle that there, there there is no question about it. Um, It's also the commitment to those three days then, because it's easy to people to start something and then like, Oh yeah, I've I've done it for a day. I want to go home and have a glass of wine. What what does it require for you to then spend those three days in your life just doing artwork? It must create a lot of motivation and, and drive you to spend that time when you do four days of work at, at another place as well. I think it's it's it, it's because that's what you want to do. You know, the the rest of it is you're only doing the other thing so that you can have those three days. So it's not a question of oh I'm tired and I'd rather go and have a glass of wine. I mean you, you are tired and you do go and have a glass of wine, yeah. but you've spent those four days earning the three days. And now you can breathe. Now you can breathe. Good. Now, let's uh, put on some uh, some future glasses, mm. and uh, and if you look ahead, uh, in say ten years, what would you like to have accomplished with your work if you were to sit down with me for another interview in ten ten years? Bigger and better. Um, you know, not necessarily in scale. I mean, I like to do large things, but um, just better. I would like them to be better, better and better and better. What more can I say? I will just continue to go on the journey I'm on. Um, It would be great to have sold a few more. Mm -hmm. It would be great. I don't know. It would just be great to be able to, in 10 years' time, to say, I'm still here, I'm still doing it, and I still love it as much as I do now. Yes. I think pretty much is it. I think the better and better and better is, uh, is is a great great answer. You know, everyone like the uh, the 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 pursuit of of mastery. Uh, it never ends, really. Does it doesn't it? end. And you if can... it does, you can, you should be worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stopped. If, if, you, if yeah. you think you've got that, then you really are. Yeah, you you really should really should, should be, be worried. worried. <laughs> no, but that, that yeah. makes sense. I think that's a good answer. Right. So um, we're going into a slightly different tangent now. Um, and this links with my opener, uh, where I was interested in getting a little bit more insight uh, into, a, 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 as an established artist, your perspective on, um, on, on this world that we're starting to see, a world where more and more of the day-to-day that we do, at least maybe younger generations, or I, I think it's a mix as well, comes through digital channels as a primary lens into the world. And if you were to just look ahead now and think, well, how, how would this digitalization, if you want to call it, 
how would that potentially impact your art in say five, ten years time? Hmm. Um, yeah. Actually, I have no idea. Um, I still think there will be painters that are painting and, and that all the traditional forms of art will still exist. Um, I think that, that the, the move towards di digital art um, is, is very large. I, I like the fact that um, we get to see things from a sort of multi-perspective with digital art. But I, I don't, I don't see how it, it, it impacts what I do as a traditional oil painter. Mm. Um, we all use Facebook and Instagram and, and those platforms, but it's still very much the snapshot of the picture itself, yeah. which is then used to show people what you're doing. I, I think that what I like more is when people put onto to those platforms um, time lapses of, of how something changed mm -hmm. or how something developed. Mm -hmm. That's quite fascinating, but I don't see how you can then take that and m combine it with a painted image. Right. But who knows? I mean, you know, people are changing stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, do, you, do you know what? Let me ask you a question then, because I was just prompted with, with what you, you said there. So let's say that I take a photo of one of your artworks here in the studio. Mm. What? And then I go home and look at it. I'm curious to, to think, what, what do you think? It, does, does something different happen to the viewer? If they look through the lens of a, of a of an iPhone and the picture they just took of your artwork, and instead of standing in front of the actual artwork itself, what what, what do you think the, the 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 viewer experiences differently? Would you say? Uh, but the, there's one total thing is is the question of scale. Right. You you don't get the physicality of the piece. You you often even when I'm looking at stuff on. Instagram and stuff. Mm -hmm. I look at it and I think, oh wow, that's amazing. But what size is it? Yeah. Is is it a huge picture which is is has been sh shrunk down, or is it a tiny picture which has been made bigger? Mm -hmm. And that will have an enormous bearing on the actual piece when you see it. So you you don't get, you don't really get to understand a piece of work until you're physically in front of it. I don't, I don't feel that the, the, the digital image in that respect gives you much in the same way that the, the, the physical piece actually will. I think that's actually a really interesting point with, with scale because if I, if I look at, um, if I, if I look at, just at my own experience of, of art, for example, uh, there's, um, I don't know what you can call it, but maybe it's a human experience or the, the, the environment experience or the scale experience, whatever you want to call it. But the experience of being in, the, in front of something, I think, creates a, a, a plethora of emotions almost. Whereas if you just see that, that, that artwork, if it's at least a painting that's been taken a picture of in this instance, 
I don't think the same emotions are drawn out of you. I think maybe you can use, it's like you know, swipe left. Exactly. Think you of the Rothkos in the Rothko room. If you saw them on your iPhone, <laughs> yeah. you would swipe, swipe, yeah. swipe, 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 because yeah. they wouldn't have that emotional impact. If you sit in that room in the Tate, you're just like, oh, my God. And I, and I think that the scale is absolutely something I think would be hard to replicate, uh, if even possible. I, I think the other thing I wanted to maybe just get your take on, and this is maybe moving a little bit away from your own style, mm -hmm. but you're starting to see also people who only you know dedicate, they create art, just digital art. So they use this world as their medium. Do you think that they lose contact with the creation process? You know, you're physically drawing something on canvas. They are maybe drawing, but they're drawing a, a, a something in a screen, right? They're drawing something on a computer. Do you think there is a difference in the in the in the creation process and the feeling of the artist in the two mediums? No, I don't think so. I think it's probably exactly the same. Um, it's it's simply a different form. It's like being a sculptor or a or a filmmaker or a You know, just because you haven't got the physical piece of charcoal, you can still do it, you know, on an iPad. I mean, look at Hockney's iPad drawings. A mm. lot of people can do that. It's the same thing. I know quite a few people who who take stuff and digi digitally master it or do what right. they do yeah. on the computers. And then, okay, then they get somebody to physically print it out um, and turn it into something that you can hang on your wall. But it the the whole of the creative process is done inside their computers. I think you might be right, and I it's just removing the the pencil becomes something else, or the you know the brush becomes something just, else. Just becomes something else. Right. Okay. So I, I think that in itself is something that we'll continue to see a lot of, and it'll be interesting to see because I firmly believe that there probably will be a room for both. You know, you have an audience who wants yep. that physicality, but you also have a, a new, an audience who maybe wants something that is so without boundaries in a digital context that absolutely that that, that you'll see an audience for both actually. Yeah. I'm just interested in seeing how it develops over the years. Um, and I think this leads me sort of towards the, the final questions of, of today. A lot of people, um, they, they seek out advice, mentorship and insight from people who's already done it, right? And I would like to know if you were to speak to your 16-year-old self, what would you tell her? I think I'd just tell her to, to, to keep at it. Always have faith. I think always have faith in yourself. You don't need um, you don't need others' praise. You just need to you know, keep 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 at it. Um, that that is actually reward in itself, and it will reward endlessly. I think that's a, a beautiful end to the uh, to the interview. So thank cool. you very much, Henry. You're and, very welcome. Uh, Thank you for spending the time and also with your lovely dog. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank <laughs> Thanks. Hey, everyone. Hans here, the creator of the show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want more, just uh, click next and uh, enjoy the next episode. Uh, I also want to give a big thank you to the Wimbledon Art Studios for making this happen. Uh, thank you for the collaboration and uh, enjoy. Enjoy.